0: Hey, one more thing before you go. In this episode, we share the journey of a medical doctor with Crohn's disease who turned health coach after putting her disease into remission for over 10 years now. We're going to explore alternative health methods to help you soothe your Crohn's and regain your life naturally. I'm your host, Michael Hurst, and this is The Thing About Taming the Beast Naturally. My guest in this episode is Dr. Selby Vasudevan. She is a medical doctor and an IBD health coach specializing in Crohn's disease healing naturally. Her passion lies in applying these and other methods she learned along the way to help her clients regain their life from the pain and the exhaustion of Crohn's. Welcome to the show, Dr. Sally
1: Thank you so much for having me, Michael. Pleasure to be here.
0: So let's, if you don't mind, let's talk a little bit about uh, like the beginnings. Where'd you grow up?
1: So I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, in a small town in new jersey and uh yeah it was um peaceful childhood it was fun
0: <laughs> so what was your family like
1: uh so i have one brother and my parents and uh that was it very conservative indian family um so yeah pretty traditional indian upbringing meaning you know um Traditional Indian foods. We had a group of Indian family friends that we were connected with. So you know, in terms of keeping the culture alive, the language alive, those kind of things, Indian values in terms of work ethic, um, school performance, those kind of things were core to my upbringing.
0: What your parents do for a living?
1: My dad was an engineer, and uh, my mom would she worked part time, just mostly to get out of the house. But uh, yeah. At uh, a call center.
0: Yeah. Well, I ask you because I, yeah, I know you're a medical doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what? When did you first realize you wanted to be in the medical field?
1: I was a little kid, actually, um, and I always knew I wanted to help people. And I think I remember my dad talking about medicine. He was talking to my brother, and he was trying to tell him, you know, why don't you become a doctor? Uh, it's a really respected profession you can help people this and that and my brother and I are 11 years apart and so I was really little probably I don't know five years old or something like that hearing this conversation and I was like I want to be a doctor and it just stuck with me and as I grew up and I was more exposed to the field and to people I realized that you know I just I wanted to be a healer and I wanted to help people and so that led me all the way to medical school and beyond
0: okay. That's amazing, actually, because a lot of kids, I mean, kids change their minds all the time. You know, well, I want to be an astronaut. Now I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a cop. I want to be a fireman. But you stuck with doctor.
1: I did. I did.
0: So where did you go to university?
1: Um, So for undergrad, I went to Columbia University in New York City.
0: So kind of stayed in the same area?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I did.
0: Yeah. What was your specialty?
1: Um, For undergrad, I did chemical engineering.
0: As, your, as a medical doctor, what what is your special? Are you just a primary oh, yeah. care physician, yeah? Or are you yeah. are you pediatrics? Pediatrics. So it's obviously far different from the Crohn's. Disease, oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. So as pediatric as a pediatric doctor, do you set a practice there?
1: Um, so I didn't actually get to the point of practicing. So meaning, I was in my training period when I was getting really, really sick. So I was actually diagnosed in college, and um, during my residency, things were just flaring up out of control.
0: Help us understand, you got diagnosed with Crohn's disease, please help us understand what is Crohn's disease? Mm
1: -hmm. So it's basically inflammation within the gastrointestinal tract, so meaning anywhere in that digestive tract from your mouth all the way to the anus, there can be inflammation. Crohn's disease doesn't tend to be continuous. So it tends to have areas of inflammation, areas of healthy tissue, again, areas of inflammation, what's called skip lesions in medicine. So there's areas that are inflamed and then there are areas that are okay. And um, so depending on the patient, it can be in any of those different areas and or all of those different areas and or isolated to a certain area. So it can present in a bunch of different ways.
0: How how is that similar to or or not similar to something like uh, IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, is it?
1: Right. Um, So IBS tends to be more of what they call a diagnosis of of exclusion, excuse me, um, meaning you can't really test for it. And it tends to be more of a constellation of symptoms. So constipation, diarrhea, things like that um, can occur, but you don't see active inflammation necessarily on a colonoscopy or on an endoscopy if they put a scope down and look at it with a camera, you're not necessarily going to see inflammation in IBS. You will with Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis, which is called IBD. So irritable bowel disease versus irritable bowel syndrome. And a lot of people get the two very confused.
0: That's interesting the way that applies. Now, when you talk about inflammation, mm-hmm. as my listeners now understand, you know I suffer from rheumatoid arthritis. And a lot of my listeners, I have some that follow me that also... So we suffer from inflammation all over our bodies. Uh How does that inflammation differ from something like what I've suffered?
1: In my viewpoint, it's actually very similar. So in my view and in my experience, like inflammation at the end of the day is inflammation, right? It all stems from imbalances in the body. Quite often it starts with issues in the gut. So, you know, gut inflammation on some level leads to inflammation that's going throughout the body. Now, if it starts depositing in your joints, that can be diagnosed as rheumatoid arthritis. If it stays in your in, in your intestines, that can be diagnosed as Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. If it goes somewhere else, it might be diagnosed as Schurman's syndrome and on and on and on, right? But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, to the body, it's inflammation. It's us as, you know, diagnosticians who are putting labels on it.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, can it affect people? I, mean, I know that you you really you work with women primarily, mm-hmm. correct? But does can it affect anybody?
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Is there an age restriction? I mean, can it can it happen with kids or teenagers, or does it typically happen adult on?
1: So the typical onset is college age. So 18, 19, 20, 21. That being said, I've seen little kids. Elementary school, five years old, three years old, even being diagnosed with Crohn's disease, um, and then there are people who don't get diagnosed until much later in life. So, in their thirties, forties, even I've heard of someone in their fifties who was diagnosed for the first time. Not common, but not unheard of either.
0: From that perspective, does it affect maybe? Does it affect women more than men?
1: It does. It does for sure. Is there a
0: pattern in that? Like uh, a reason why? Is it dietary? Is it hereditary?
1: It can run in families. It's not always hereditary. Um, You know, and that's a huge topic of conversation. Right. So even if the if it does run in families, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to happen. Right. If that gene is expressed or not expressed in my family, nobody has it. I'm the first and only person who has it. So um, there's a lot of factors that are there that are also environmental that are outside of genetics. So it's um, it's one of those things where in medicine, it's like, we don't know why it happens, but it does kind of thing, which nobody wants to hear.
0: Yeah, it's kind of, <laughs> kind of well, let me work on that. I'll get back to you.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, that's the same thing with rheumatoid. I, I I have the first question I ever get asked when I go to see a rheumatologist um, is, who else in your family's got it? I say, nobody. Mm-hmm. You know, my my dad didn't have it. My mother didn't have it. My grandparents didn't have it um on both sides they didn't have it my uncle didn't have it on one side my other uncles on my mother's side didn't have it
1: mm-hmm.
0: and they go oh that's interesting yeah and, and all of a sudden it kind of showed up in me so right. the in understanding crohn's did, i mean earlier i had, had made comment um could diet when you said outside influences because that mean could that mean diet could your Ind- indian cuisine may contribute to that
1: I don't know that it was so much my Indian cuisine as the amount of junk food I was eating.
0: <laughs> <Shut> <laughs> <out>. <laughs> it always is the culprit.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Fast food, Doritos, you name it, I was eating garbage for a very long time.
0: <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, society in America is geared towards garbage. <laughs> yes,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> so. uh, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting dynamic we have here, isn't it? For sure. So help us to kind of understand maybe some signs of Crohn's, so if somebody's experiencing it, because I know we're going to go through a journey of how you found some alternative mm-hmm. um, methods, but let's talk about like what what kind of signs typically, if somebody like you, what do you experience when you have Crohn's?
1: Sure. So looking back, um, my first signs were mouth ulcers. So ulcerations in my mouth, sensitivities, um, that sort of thing, which went way back to childhood. Um, But then it started as stomach, what was labeled stomach upset. So diarrhea, vomiting, pain, it would come, it would go, and it was just labeled as a stomach virus. Now, for some people, it's more bloating, constipation, that sort of thing. But typical hallmarks that you would see would be potentially either diarrhea, sometimes constipation, pain, maybe bloating, bleeding, mucus in the stool. Um, Ulcers in the mouth, those are all typical things. Now, you can also get other things if you have, in addition to that, weight loss, joint pain, um, fatigue. So sometimes it's just so nonspecific that it's hard for, for a doctor to figure out what's going on. So oftentimes people go for months, years, even undiagnosed until something has to give, and they get to that point where finally a colonoscopy happens, and then they look inside, and then they see the inflammation. They take a biopsy, and then the diagnosis happens.
0: What's the difference between that and um, not lesions on the inside? But um, and of course, I can't think of it at the moment. Uh, polyps and things like that that they find when they do a colonosc- colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. Is anything related to that?
1: So polyps are more of a growth out um, within the tissue, but it's like a protrusion outwards. The inflammation looks more like an ulcer. So it's, it's red, it's tender. Um, if you touch it with the scope, it bleeds. There's a characteristic appearance. So it looks very different. A polyp tissue wise can look like healthy tissue in terms of color, in terms of, um, character, but it's a growth. It's a visible growth
0: perspective. So what are some of the traditional methods of treating Crohn's? Now, Cro- Crohn's, it cannot be eliminated completely, right? You just can only put it into remission?
1: According to Western medicine, yes. Sure. Um, so the first thing they did was put me on steroids, so on prednisone, uh, because that was, at the time when I was diagnosed, that was all that they really had. So they put me on steroids, and then there are other um, maintenance drugs. So there is this whole... Category of drugs, excuse me, five ASA drugs, which are related to aspirin, that are used to maintain people. Later on came the biologics, so things like Remicade or Humira, and there's like there's so many biologics in this day and age. Um, There's immunosuppressive. so things like 6MP, azathioprine, things like that. So and then there's even methotrexate too, which is actually a cancer drug.
0: Yeah, those are some of the same drugs they tried on me for my rheumatoid arthritis, actually.
1: Yeah, very similar, very very similar the the types of medications that they use.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right. that's interesting that they approach it from that perspective.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But like you said earlier, though inflammation is inflammation, and maybe that's the only way they know how to fight it from the Western side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, coming from the medical field uh, and, and understanding it from the medical perspective,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what opens your eyes up to looking at an alternative oh, that's methodology? A great
1: Yeah, well, it kind of got to a point where I really had no choice. So I was on extremely high doses of medications and still not doing well. I was having surgery after surgery after surgery. And I just got to a point where I was like, this is not living. I don't want to keep doing this anymore. And they were talking about increasing my medication yet again. So it was already at, um, by that point, I think it was like eight times the normal dose. So the normal dose was 5 to 10 milligrams per kilogram every eight weeks. I was on 20 milligrams per kilogram every four weeks. Wow. Yeah. And it still wasn't really working. And so that's when I was like, oh, crap, something needs to change.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, wow, that's, that's quite a bit.
1: Yeah.
0: And, th- and those then in, in, them, in themselves have their own side effects Correct. that then compound upon each other and create other issues.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Now, I hadn't, at least at the time, consciously, I hadn't experienced a whole bunch of side effects or anything. But all I knew was that this just cannot be good long term. And I had gotten to a breaking point in terms of surgery. I was like, I knew the nurses there in the hospital. I was just in there way too much. I was sick of seeing my surgeon and my body was just like enough already. So I knew I had to do something. I knew I had to look outside because my doctors were kind of running out of options. And I was like, there's got to be something else.
0: Now, when when they do surgeries, what kind of surgeries would they do for something like Crohn's?
1: Yeah, so it was on my intestine. So the first surgery that I had, my intestine developed a perforation. So it developed a hole. They don't know why. And they had to do a surgery because it was either that or I was going to die. So That's I was admitted to the hospital. Yeah, they told my parents, she's got 24 to 48 hours to live if we don't do surgery now.
0: So wow. so actually, I mean, people think of Crohn's or you see Crohn's commercials on TV, but they don't understand that it can be deadly.
1: Yeah, it can be. It can be.
0: That perspective. So what areas of alternative healing? You know, we talked earlier before we started, and we both believe in a, in a very holistic and naturopathic approach to healing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So where did you begin?
1: So I began with dietary changes at first because, you know, I was young and stupid and stubborn and was like, well, I'm feeling so horrible anyway. So I'm just going to go and eat the pepperoni pizza or the whatever, like fill in the blank, like total emotional eating. Right. And um and then when I realized something had to give, one of the first things that came up for me was going gluten-free. So I was like, okay, maybe this can actually help. And so it started out as small changes like that. And then I found out, oh, wow, now I feel better. Okay, what else can I do? And so it started with diet, and that took me to a certain point. And then beyond that, it was like the emotional healing. It was acupuncture. It was um, herbs. It was mindset shifts. It was so much, like detox, you know, the more I have learned, like the more time passes, the more that I learn, the more that I do, the more that I have accumulated sort of in my toolbox, so to speak, which just keeps growing over time. So it's been amazing.
0: Yeah, it's an amazing journey once you rediscover and understand how diet affects our bodies,
1: mm-hmm. how
0: diet can heal our bodies. You know, as as you and my listeners know that, you know, I, I'm gluten-free vegan. Mm-hmm. And um it changed my life dramatically because of that, especially with my flares. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's a profound step. How long did your process take to get that implementation?
1: Uh, it took me a few years, I would say at least probably about three three years or so to finally get to remission, at least just to get to a stable place. Um, yeah.
0: Now, did you go vegan or vegetarian as well as gluten-free, or did you change it, that perspective?
1: So I went paleo, actually. So from gluten-free, I went paleo, um, and I went that route, and that, and then that, that seemed to help for a long time, and I've become more um, towards the vegetarian, vegan side as of late.
0: Can you help me understand what paleo diet is?
1: Yeah, of course. So it's basically, so it's protein, so typically animal protein, and lots of vegetables, Um, and no grains, no gluten, no dairy, at least I did no dairy, um, kind of thing. So you could do eggs, you could do meat, you could do seafood, and then you could do lots of vegetables. And that worked really well because I was eating just so much rice and like gluten-free grains and things like that, which for my body was just heavy and it was adding to my inflammation and weight gain and things like that, which I hadn't realized. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. um, So now you're, you moved into more of a vegan vegetarian Mm -hmm. or vegetarian arena.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That seems to have improved.
1: Totally. Totally.
0: Yeah. I can prove from there. Um, I know that, uh, yeah, and I, luckily this day and age, since gluten-free became a fad, Mm -hmm. um, basically there's a lot more opportunity for people who are gluten-free. Or going gluten free for them to experience food like they used to have. Some of it doesn't quite taste like what we used to have, but they've they've really improved dramatically. When I went gluten free like 12 years ago, mm-hmm. um, there was limitations, a mm-hmm. lot of limitations. You know, I could very, I couldn't really go out to a lot of restaurants, you yeah, know, because they didn't they didn't gluten free. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I'm 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 uh, I'm vegan. So what do you have on the menu? And they bring me a salad and there's your salad. <laughs> there's your vegan. Thank you very much. Have a, have a nice dinner. <laughs> but there's a lot more opportunity now for people to kind of improve their health from that perspective. And I know from, from your perspective and from my perspective, um, it has made a dramatic effect on our inflammation and improved the quality of life. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so the the three years that it you said about three years it took you to implement it fully
1: yes mm-hmm. so
0: when you noticed that um did you during that time period did you use any other I means did you use ac- acupuncture or any of the other eastern medicine type methodologies in can we talk about that
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yes, I did. I did use acupuncture. I used Chinese herbs. Um, I eventually wound up finding other herbs on my own. I researched Indian Indian medicine, um, Ayurveda, and there's another school of thought, Siddha, which is based um, in the state where I'm from, Tamil Nadu, in India. And... um, So, I didn't seek out a practitioner, but I was doing my own research and, you know, things like that. And I would implement bits and pieces from there as well. Um, So, I was kind of just trying to figure it out myself. So, obviously, I face-planted a few times along the way. Um, So, I don't recommend do that. I know, right? So, I'm like, like, do as I say, not necessarily as I did. (laughs) Save yourself the headaches.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we've experienced what you would experience if you did this. So...
1: Yeah. try this instead.
0: No. Yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, and then spirituality too. So a lot of inner child work, a lot of, you know, old wounds and healing those wounds and and things like that as well which has just changed my life.
0: It's kind of a mind, body, soul connection.
1: Absolutely. Could have it
0: it, Yeah, 100% it it affects us in a in a positive or negative way if one's out of balance then then you're out of balance and when you're out of balance things happen
1: there you go that's and when right. you
0: balance yeah when you balance them things go back in alignment like they're supposed to be and you need to listen like listen to your body would you agree
1: right 100 yeah, 100
0: um so just in out of curiosity um mm-hmm. when you uh, do acupuncture do you still do acupuncture
1: i do yeah not as regularly as i used to but i do
0: yeah. And it, that seems to help you pretty. Good. And I mean, I it helps me with my rheumatoid. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that's the reason I'm asking. It yeah. it seems to help you with your Crohn's. It might help my daughter actually, who's got the endometriosis. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to convince her to go try some acupuncture in regard to that. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: for sure. It's good for so many things, just at helping rebalance, rebalancing the body energies and stuff. So it would be a really awesome thing for her to explore, for sure. Yeah, I Not, love
0: it. I was very lucky, my. Um, the doctor that I had uh, I see re- recently uh, regularly for the last five years. Five years, he actually taught my wife how to do it, and I have little dot tattoos where the needles go. Nice, because they all go in the same area. So we practice acupuncture on a regular basis because of that, and mm-hmm. you know, he it it works. It just. Mm-hmm changed my life um what kind of herbs did you explore
1: um so the initial acupuncturist she would mix up like a batch of chinese herbs that i would mix with warm water so i could not name those herbs if you ask me because she, she would just depending on what my body constitution was like and there were times when she would be like you don't want to know what's in here and i'm like we're, we're bad <laughs> <droppings> like <Yeah. laughs>
0: Okay. I have new Tibet, you know, <laughs> back wing. Exactly. What is,
1: what's going on back there? Um,
0: <laughs> Chicken foot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm just going to leave that alone. <laughs> but in terms of Ayurveda, like I've tried things like ashwagandha. I've used turmeric. I've used um, lemon balm. I've used all sorts of things along the way in teas or um, as powders or tinctures or things like that.
0: Yeah, And it's interesting in my journey with the same thing, I I'd also got to a Chinese doctor here mm-hmm. in the Phoenix area, and um, mm-hmm. they sent me home with this bag of stuff that I had to boil on the stove. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it would stain the pot that mm-hmm. we were boiling it in. It looked like tar. <laughs> and they're going, just drink it. It's good. It'll work. It's good for you. You know, you have to boil it this long. Don't boil it any longer than this. Don't boil it any less than. It's like, and then my wife would be going, "I'm leaving for a while while that stinks up the house. When you're done, give me a call." (laughs) Yeah, but but it helped. It worked. So you know, I guess I guess what it is is you drink it, and then whatever's in your body goes. No way, (laughs) I'm out of (laughs) here.
1: Exactly. I don't want to be in this environment.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is not cool. (laughs)
1: Exactly. It's
0: it's interesting. So. Um, what brought you to uh, from medical doctor to a coach?
1: So that's a great question, and the reason being was, you know, once I got to remission and I realized I was staying in remission, um, then I realized that this could translate to way beyond just me. That other people could benefit from what I was learning, and I realized that I could make so much more impact as a health coach than as a doctor. So as a doctor, I'd have ten to fifteen minutes to. Talk to someone, diagnose them, treat, send them off with a prescription and really make no change was how I felt when I was, you know, in medicine. As a coach, I can work with someone for a period of months on end, meet with them every single week and start creating a trajectory moving forward and work with them for at least an hour a week. So we really get to go deep into all aspects of their life. As you know, chronic illness affects every single aspect of your life, right? There's no way out of that. So You know, how can we optimize all of that to work for you as opposed to work against you? And that's just been the most rewarding thing for me to be in the trenches, so
0: to speak. Well, I I think uh, you have an opportunity to connect the mind, body, and the soul because, uh, like you made a comment there, and the fact that it it affects us mentally, your mental health, as well as your physical health. Mm -hmm. And that then affects the people around you. So, you know, you need to balance that out so that you can function in a way that um, is not a struggle every day.
1: Correct. Yeah.
0: Because hey, Crohn's disease, I, I I can only imagine. The mm-hmm. I'm assuming there's pain, mm-hmm. there's stress, there's fatigue. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's any number of things that, that keep you down every day. Yeah. And, like you know, if you're,
1: if you're tied to the toilet. Like, you know, if you're basically like trapped in your house or trapped in your bathroom is just there's a sense of despair that happens like what the heck is the point right so yeah i live in new york city so
0: oh it's i i wish them well because you never know what happened to anybody so I
1: think it's
0: there we go yeah. <laughs> thank you so in regard to um no, we're talking about your uh, getting to be a coach so mm-hmm. so basically um we know what motivated you Mm -hmm. Uh, and we know what motivated you to, to take an alternative approach Mm -hmm. Uh, for somebody that's just been diagnosed or somebody that is in the middle of being diagnosed. Do you have any recommendations or steps that they should take in order to help get them through this or get to a more natural pathic approach?
1: Mm. If, you know, if you're on sort of the standard American diet. So to speak, I would, and you know, you're eating gluten, gluten and dairy. I would recommend going off of gluten and dairy. I would recommend, you know, pulling out sugar too, as much as possible. Added sugars, fruit sugars are different, but added sugars for sure, because all of those things just increase inflammation a lot. Um, And find someone who, who understands, like who can understand where you're coming from to talk to, to listen, right? Family members, they love you. They want to support you, but they just, they don't understand. They haven't walked a mile in your shoes. So support groups, I'm personally not a huge fan of. Um, but if they work for you, great. And if not, like see if you can find someone who's, you know, been through something similar that can just be a shoulder to lean on, you know, be a guide. I think that is something I wish I had.
0: Communication is key. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it really is. It's key to everything because you, you know, if somebody doesn't understand what you're going through and they just say, well, you're just being grumpy or you're just being, you're cranky or you're, you know, I don't understand why you're there all the time. Why are you in the bathroom all the time?
1: Right.
0: What you are you doing? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You must be exaggerating. That was one that I used to get. Exactly.
0: Was, yeah. yeah communication bad. is a, is a positive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what inspires you to move forward in life? Mm
1: mm-hmm. Um, just this life being a gift. I've come close to death a few times along the way, like not just that one time it's been a few times. And so I understand how precious life is. And so, you know, people tease me that I, uh, I, I see a sunset and I get excited right like you know, the most mundane things and and my motto as of late has been to find the magic in the quote-unquote mundane because there's magic in me every day and that motivates me to keep moving forward and just like the more that I heal the deeper that I dive and people the people that I work with inspire me too. like seeing them heal seeing them start to transform their lives it just it Motivates me to go even deeper, to heal myself further, so I have more to offer them and to reach more people in that way to make an impact.
0: Well done. Um, do let me see how I, there's this question that popped up, and I didn't want to phrase it correctly. So, in regard to if somebody, and we may have already answered this, but I'm going to just I'm going to answer this. I'm going to ask this correctly. Mm-hmm. If how about we can you help us understand what remission is and i'm and the reason i bring that up in that regard is because i've had people when i tell them my rheumatoid is in remission and they go well you're cured Mm. like well no i'm not really cured and they're going yeah but just in remission Mm -hmm. but i'm not cured it's it's not cured it's still there can you help us understand that
1: so remission as far as crohn's disease IBD goes means an absence of symptoms, so you don't feel any of those typical symptoms. And when they um, put a scope inside and they look inside, they don't see any inflammation. So it's endoscopic remission is what that's called, and then there's the physical remission as well. So you feel good, and the insides also look good, and that's called remission. So as far as medical doctors are concerned, that means that the disease is dormant. Right.
0: And that helps. So, if somebody is um, first experiencing this or they are in the middle of this, mm-hmm. uh, obviously it would be great to have somebody help guide them through an opportunity to put that into remission.
1: Absolutely.
0: What, uh, it, what would you recommend as the first step? I mean, obviously, I want them to contact you,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but what would you, if they're not available for that, if they're in a different state or a different area, different country? I've heard in 59 countries, so a different country. Mm-hmm. What would be the first step?
1: Um, well, actually, even if they are in a different state or a different country, they they can contact me. All my work is through Zoom, so it's virtual. But um, that aside, you know, definitely to, to seek out a GI doctor, to take a look inside, to get that diagnosis, um, to seek out a naturopath, potentially, a naturopathic doctor who can help them more, you know, in a holistic way. I think that's really important. So to look at, like we were talking about, not just the body, but, you know, also at the mind, the body, the spirit, all of those pieces, I think you need support. If it's one person or if it's a team of people, I think it's very important to have all of those pieces covered to optimize healing.
0: This works. If they want to get in touch with you, how would they do that?
1: So they can um, reach out to me via email or uh, go to my website. My email is selvi at drselvi.com. And my website is www.drselvi.com. It's uh, www.drselvi.com. And there's a a let's chat button at the bottom of the page where they can click on that to schedule um, an appointment to chat with me.
0: And I'll have those I'll have that information in the show notes as well. So it's easy for everybody to find you from that perspective. And do you have any advice for any others that are going through the same journey?
1: I do. Um, The one thing that I can say is that there is always hope. I think there are a lot of people who are afraid to hope who kind of um, settle for not feeling well. And that, that honestly, it breaks my heart because healing can occur. I'm not going to say just, Calming things down, healing, like deep healing can occur when things are in alignment, when the mind, the body, the soul and the emotions, because the emotions also play a huge role in disease activity, too. When all of those pieces are being covered, healing can occur and healing has the ability to transform your life and open up your life and allow you to not just dream, but to make those dreams into reality. And it's absolutely possible. Absolutely.
0: This is one more thing before you go. So is there anything that you want to say or words of wisdom before we go?
1: Um, Well, first of all, I mean, thanks for the opportunity. And um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, that my belief is when you get, so I will say this, one of my beefs with Western medicine has been that there's a lot of band-aids in Western medicine, right? That it's just, doesn't really solve the problem. When you get down to the root, you can solve the problem,
0: period excellent words of wisdom thank
1: you
0: dr salvi thank you very much for sharing your journey your experience and your knowledge with us i think that we have an opportunity to help people move forward from this disease and actually implement the same methodologies if they're suffering from anything else in regard to their health all those same principles mm-hmm. so thank you very much i will have your information in the show notes mm-hmm. i have i it's been a pleasure to meet you
1: been a pleasure meeting you too, Michael. Thanks again for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at BeforeYouGoPodcast.com. That's BeforeYouGoPodcast.com. Tell your story,